2: are hurting, whose lives have been shattered, and who um, who need and and deserve our, our collective prayers.
3: Hey, everybody. Welcome into an on-new episode of Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. On the program today, since our last episode, Nick, this country could not go a week without yet another mass shooting. This time it took place in Allen, Texas. Nick and I on this horrific shooting that left eight people dead, seven others injured. As former CIA officer, FBI special agent, and a News Nation national security contributor, Tracy Walder, will be here to help us break down what took place Plus, later on in the program, our Can I Talk segment is back. Five minutes each on a topic making headlines. Jordan Neely's death via a chokehold on a New York City subway. Senator Lindsey Graham flip-flopping in under 20 seconds. More on that in our final segment. And I just alluded to her a second ago, joining us now, former CIA officer, FBI special agent. She's also the author of a book that Nick's been dying to read, The Unexpected Spy, From the CIA to the FBI, My Secret Life taking down some of the world's most notorious terrorists. And that's Tracy Walder. Tracy, Mike and Nick, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Mike and Nick. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah. You know, Tracy, I, I reached out to you because I, I watched News Nation. I, I was seeing you last night. You were describing a little bit about the mall because you happen to live in the surrounding areas. Can you just tell our audience a little bit about uh, who's not familiar. I mean, we've all been to a mall in America, right? But we're not familiar so much with the layout. And now videos have started to surface of how, uh, you know, the shooter came in out of his vehicle and started shooting people that were entering this part of the mall. Can you take our audience inside a little bit of the layout of the mall and the area itself in the town?
0: Sure. Why It's really why I think he chose this mall, quite frankly, um, because the reality is from where he was coming from, he had to drive past arguably the two largest indoor malls um, in the state. And I think the reason he picked this particular mall, um, the Allen Outlet Mall, is it's a very sprawling facility. So you're talking, you have these 120 plus stores, plus you have grocery stores, movie theaters, all of that. Um, And it's actually all outdoors. You access all of the stores from outdoors with sort of a central gathering place. And I think that's, That's quite frankly why he picked this. There's no parking structure. As you get out into Allen, I'm in kind of Dallas proper. So it's about 20 miles north. So it's a suburb. You have more space, right? And so this is more spread out. Um, It's not built up like we see kind of down in Dallas proper. And so really it's very easy access. You don't have to navigate a parking structure and you theoretically don't have to enter into an enclosed mall facility.
1: Tracy, when we think about the response to the shooting right now, you know, obviously, from a news perspective, we hear about local response. Obviously, we're getting um, dis- details from local law enforcement, but from an FBI perspective, because obviously you've been a member of the agency. Where does the FBI plays a, play a role in terms of trying to think about this more from a national scale data collection? Uh, I know that there's obviously different pieces. Obviously, we've you know speak, spoken with Frank Figgilusi in the past about these types of things. But from from your purview, though, where where does the FBI get involved in a situation like this, or do they?
0: So the, most likely they will. Frank is an amazing guy. So you know here you're dealing with two different really jurisdiction. So you got Allen Police Department that's obviously investigating the shooting itself. However, the suspect, his house is in the jurisdiction of the Dallas Northeast Division Department. The problem is right now, I'm guessing that they are absolutely bringing in the FBI to help from a forensics perspective. You have hundreds of witnesses in a case like this. So you have to triage all of those witnesses, which ones are going to give the most information, which ones were closest really to the shooting itself. So I'm guessing they will be bringing in the FBI to help with that. Also, in terms of forensics, um, again, this is a massive crime scene, digital forensics, biologic forensics, all of those things the FBI needs to help with. Also, fun fact that I don't think is being reported a lot, um, DPD actually was hacked uh, with ransomware <laughs> just a few weeks ago. So their computers are actually down. Um, yeah. And so I'm guessing that the FBI is most likely assisting um, with that as well, sort of make that up um, because that's where the suspect's parents lived and where he was from.
1: Tracy, just to follow up to that, you know, from a data perspective, you know, when things like this happen, where does the FBI play a role? Because I remember back in, I think like November 2022 was reported that only maybe 63% precincts nationally were reporting into hate crime statistics from an FBI standpoint. Not that this is necessarily hate crime. I mean, there's obviously information that we're still trying to pour through to make sense of all that. But just from where you stand on this, you know, when it comes to data collection, the national narrative, as we understand with, with guns and violence in this country, what may come from the FBI's role in learning what happened in, in Allen and what we're seeing just happening across the country?
0: I think, you know, kind of an added layer on what's being really reported the most on today in the Washington Post and several other publications uh, really is his potential uh, connection to it, really a movement that's associated, quite frankly, with the Proud Boys. And if that's the case, um, then, you know, really the FBI will become more actively involved. The reality is, is crime statistics as a whole, you don't have to report them. Look, there is no law that says any kind of police or local law enforcement jurisdiction has to report their crime statistics to the Bureau. And quite frankly, most of the time they play them down. I mean, this is what we teach, what I teach in my my criminal justice college courses. Most of the time they're played down. Um, And so as a result of that, you are really not getting a fully transparent picture um, of of, of crime reporting. And so I think that that's obviously problematic because if you're not getting that full picture, then you're not getting the maximum amount of resources that can be allocated um, towards that department uh, to, to help them, quite frankly, in terms of mitigating these kinds of crimes.
3: You know, Tracy, one of the big things um, that I'm struggling with, and it's kind of like this two hats that I wear. First, hosting this news commentary podcast, reaching out to subject matter experts like you that have been in the field. And then there's the other part, right? The the parent of, of two children, one who's in school and has seen, you know, just the most mundane of activities be impeded upon by by shooting. And and we're not getting to the root cause of all of this, right? It's not uh, drag show flyers, like I like to say, or ninja stars or anything else that's nonsensical. Each person has a weapon, right? A weapon of mass destruction in a lot of these cases. And one of the other drawbacks has been, I have learned now, members of Congress in different districts that make no sense with respect to their retorts when they go on television. I want to play a clip for Representative uh, Keith Self who represents the district, um, and he said something on CNN recently when he was asked about this. I want you to react on the other side. Take a listen to this.
2: Well, those are people that don't believe in uh, an almighty God who, who, has, who is absolutely in control of our lives. I'm a Christian. I believe that he is. We have people, though, with mental health that we're not taking care of. Since this nation made the decision that we were going to close the mental health institutions, uh, many of these situations are based on that. Uh, And the people that say, and and I really, I would like to stay away from the politics today because I want to focus on the victims. Uh, Today, we should be focused on the families. Uh, Prayer is powerful in the lives of those people that are devastated. I know people want to make this political, but prayers are important. And they are powerful in the families who are devastated right now.
3: So, Tracy, um, and again, it's one of the reasons why I invited you on the show after watching your News Nation segment, but I'd already been following you on Twitter. But you hear something like that as somebody who's worked in law enforcement to to stop the bad guys, right? Good guy with gun stops bad guy with gun, right? That's the stuff we always hear. Thoughts and prayers. What do you make of a congressman like that, especially somebody that represents that district, You're a Texan yourself. You've posted about how you believe in sensible gun legislation as a gun holder. Like, what are some of your takeaways from hearing something like that of people that are in those positions to potentially uh, incite change on all of this?
0: You know, I have a couple uh, <laughs> thoughts on that. Um, I actually just tweeted a couple minutes ago about the fact that Texas has no red flag laws. We don't have any. But 65 percent of Texans want red flag laws. And, you know, when you have Representative Self or Governor Abbott talking about mental health is the problem, mental health is the problem. Well, then why don't we have red flag laws? Because they're clearly not doing anything about it. And red flag laws are in really response to folks with mental health issues that have guns and shouldn't have guns. We don't have background checks. If we had background checks, this is an individual who was discharged from the military because of mental health issues that would have come up in a background check. So if mental health is their number one issue, they're doing absolutely nothing um, to to mitigate that. Um, So I really don't believe uh, a lot of what they're saying. And I have to be honest with you. I know this is not why you brought me on here, but um, as a a Jew who doesn't live that far from this area, I find it extremely offensive um, that he's kind of invoking religion here. We don't know the religion of the victims. Um, And I think it's really disrespectful uh, to do something like that.
1: Speaking of disrespectful. <laughs> I think sometimes <laughs> an argument we often hear is, well, actually, this comes up today. You know, we've had recently um, someone in a vehicle that, by all likelihood, was targeting passengers. At least what we're hearing from these from the Associated Press and other outlets. Tracy, what, how do you respond to people that look at something like today's incident and say, "Well, are you also going to try to ban vehicles as well, like those who really try to take guns out of the argument?" And try to conflate this with other items in society that can also cause harm. Everything from household, you know, kitchen things to the marble that I got to make sure my my kid doesn't swallow. And and I'm obviously being somewhat facetious, but in all seriousness, though, you've been on the ground. You've worked for multiple agencies, you know, for the U.S. government, and thank you for your service in doing so. But when you hear arguments like that, that try to downplay the role of guns, uh, when we talk about the the noticeable uptick. Of violence in this country. Where do you stand on that?
0: I don't understand um, the clinging um, to these assault style rifles. Look, I've had guns. I've carried guns at various points in my life. I've served in war zones. I've had assault style weapons in these war zones. And guess what? We need them in war zones. I am not someone who necessarily believes that the Second Amendment should be overturned. I I think it would be, from a logistical standpoint, impossible. Um, However, you know, as you mentioned before, Nick, with with cars, we have licenses to be able to drive those. You have to be a certain age um, to be able to do that. Your vehicle has to pass certain inspections. And I don't see too many people Balking at that. Um, when we had kids getting access to Tylenol who weren't supposed to, we put safety, um, you know, containers on them. When somebody burned themselves with coffee, we put a, 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 a warning on it. And so what I don't understand is this, I guess, what I call it unfettered, unchecked, access um, to basically weapons of war because that that's what these are. You know, I'm not originally from Texas. I don't know that I fully understood hunting, being from Southern California. Now I do. I understand that it's a sport and I understand it's something that people have really grown up doing. But most of my friends that are hunters, They don't have assault weapons um, because they're using an assault weapon would make it so that you couldn't eat the meat of what you hunted, and that's where I really have a problem. Is I'm not understanding why we are okay with having really little to no checks whatsoever on people who are gaining access to these weapons of war. Why we even have it in the first place?
3: Tracing. I mean, spoken like it it was meant for my family members in Florida where I currently live. So um, I'm with you on that. I don't get gripping to this piece of paper from the 1700s and stopping, by the way, at just that Second Amendment and not reading the rest of them. As a comedian once said, I want to ask you. One uh, question here about training, because you're trained with weapons. Um, We had Ellie Honig a while back. um, We were talking about with all the classified document stuff about the classified system, right? Like there's 4 million people that have access to classified documents. and There's no real like organization around it in in, in some cases, right? Um, Should the U.S. government explore like a classification of weapons to reduce access to certain weapons for ordinary citizens like myself, who's never purchased one. And tomorrow I could easily go somewhere and get one because I have nothing in my background that says I would commit something like this. Like, what do you think can be done in terms of that?
0: You know, I think that that is actually an excellent um, idea, Mike, quite frankly. You know, here's the thing. We do the same thing, like you said, with the classification of documents, right, given how much of a threat or endangerment they can be to national security, which would mean people could die right at this. It's it's most highest classification. People will die if this information gets out there. You know, it might be something um, to explore in terms of guns if you want access to this assault weapon, which again, I'm having a really hard time understanding why it's even available. But if you want access to this assault weapon, then these are the hoops, I guess, proverbial hoops um, that you have to jump through in order to do that. So I think that is something that I think is a very interesting concept to explore, although it doesn't obviously mitigate the issue of Um, ghost guns um, and things, you know, guns that can be illegally obtained um, through, through other methods. But still, I don't think that there's any reason to sort of throw our hands up just because there's other ways for people to get guns.
3: Well, listen, I can't take all the credit because that was Nick's question that he wrote in the sheet. So shout out mm-hmm. to my co-host, Nick. He told me not to take credit for it. But you know what, folks, like I always say, even in my day job, can't take credit for something I didn't think of. Uh, Tracy, you do a fantastic job over at News Nation. They're lucky to have you. Like I mentioned, former CIA officer, FBI special agent. Go get her book as well. The Unexpected Spy. Can't thank you enough for coming on the program, Tracy, especially on short notice. So continue success to you. Please stay safe.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
3: All right. Quick break from the podcast to tell you about the good folks over at Fresh Roasted Coffee, the official sponsor of the Can We Please Talk podcast. You know, Nick, I want to do this different. The sad read. You hear the music in the background, but let's tell the people about what we truly like about Fresh Roasted Coffee. I'm going to go first because I love their Colombian Supremo. It's my favorite K cup. Uh, everybody in my family has been ordering it. It's it, you can smell it when you're putting it in the K cup machine. It's just so delicious and refreshing to know that I don't have to go with some of these other brands that are out there that their coffee just doesn't translate into K cups for me. And you know I'm a big K cup guy, and I just I just love what fresh roasted coffee brings me in the morning. I know I can make my cup of coffee, make my omelet, have my breakfast ready to go. What do you love about fresh roasted coffee? Mr. Mr. Coffee
1: Snob, aficionado. I love the fact that they've turned my They've turned my coffee setup into the best coffee shop in town. You know, about a mile down the road from me is a a coffee company known for a particular shade of green, shall we say. I haven't stepped foot in there since you've introduced me to Fresh Roasted Coffee. Love it. They have absolutely, this company, folks, I got to tell you, Fresh Roasted Coffee turned my home into the best coffee shop in town. Now, Mike talked about flavors. I'm a vanilla person. Every time I order from Fresh Roasted Coffee, by the way, can we get 20, we'll make sure you save 20% off your first order. When I order vanilla, ha- the hazelnut, coconut, it's my it's my holy trinity of coffee, respect, <laughs> um, and it never fails. It comes in the box, ready to go. It's the perfect blend of flavor, but also strength, because when I wake up in the morning, I want... A strong cup of coffee. But I also want to get that flavor too. And in a French press, as soon as I push it down, four minutes, of course, let it steep, just get it right. I'm good to go. And I'm blowing through the coffee. I mean, these f- folks at, at Fresh of Coffee know every few weeks I'm calling in. And if you want to, folks, you can be a subscriber too, like I'm gonna become. Mike, they've <laughs> they've turned my home into the ultimate coffee experience. I can't I can't
3: put it any better than that. I mean, you really can't sum it up better than that. And like Mr. Severi mentioned, you go to freshroastedcoffee.com right now. Not only coffee, they have tea as well. They're Positively Tea, sister brand. But you put all of this stuff, you go onto their site, you take their quiz, you get the coffee, you get the tea, you get the mugs, anything you want. When you get to checkout, enter in the promo code, can we get 20 to get 20% off the delicious coffee, head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, our thank yous there to Tracy Walder. Like I mentioned, go check out her book. Her book is really interesting. Again, we didn't even have time there to cover it because um, so much happening with this, the shooting that happened over the weekend, but the unexpected spy from the CIA to the FBI, excuse me, from the CIA to the FBI, my secret life taking down some of the world's most notorious terrorists. You can go check it out wherever books are sold. Check her out on News Nation. Like I mentioned, I, I literally found her, watched a segment. Um, like a, like, she told you there, she lives, you know, not too far away from that mall. She's been there before. Um, so d- this has got to hit home, right? Like we've talked to you and I about personal stories on this show of, you know, text messages we've gotten, false alarms, this and that. I just got one Friday with my mother-in-law at her school that somebody sent a threatening message. It turned out to be a hoax. But again, we're living in this weird silo right now. And, you know, everybody loves to play that. I don't like it here. Move. Well, I'm working on that one. But for the meantime, while I live here, I would love to talk to people who know what they're talking about and are giving call to actions, like holding people accountable. We didn't even mention it there. We are talking to her about it off air, about her exchange with Marjorie Taylor Greene, because Marjorie Taylor Greene right away goes to race card, that this shooter was Hispanic. Uh, and she goes to mental health, that we're not helping mental health, yet We've seen that Republicans have shot down legislation about mental health helping um, younger kids in schools in the K to 12 setting. So you shoot down legislation, then you turn to it on the problem like I played there in the Keep self clip. Um, Before we go into our last segment, just real high level for you, uh, Nick, because I mentioned it at the beginning of the program, but it truly has not been seven whole days, seven. It hasn't even been seven whole days. And yet another. Mass shooting that's claiming lives, more hospitalized, a shooter dead. If this cop that was responding to another call at the mall didn't go there, if he if he was not there, this guy would have killed probably 20, 30 more people. I mean, he, he lined up right at the entrance of the mall. If you watch the video and you can check it out on our Instagram story, it's from Al Jazeera News. I mean, he hops out of the car and he just starts shooting. It was no, I'm going to wait till I get in here and see something like he literally hops out of the car, shooting people instantly, somebody walking into the mall dead, you know, and there's horrific stories all around this, a community now scarred forever and the vicious circle, right? People entrenched in their camps, like representative self. No, we got to, we got to thoughts and prayers it up. We got to pray it up. And as a Christian, man, that offends me because I can pray it up, but then God gives you the tools to go out there and do something, just like doctors, right? It gives people that can g- gain these tools to help heal, right? Don't be so stupid. Read the whole Bible. Don't just read parts of it that make sense to you. If you really want to play this Christian game, I'm down to do that. Let's do that. It's, it's ridiculous to me. I'm glad that Tracy mentioned the other part about her Jewish faith, but what, what were some of you, forget the takeaways from the interview, but you can include that as well. But just again, you and I, five, six days go by that we haven't recorded we can't get through one week, one work week, Nick. Not even a whole week, a work week without another mass shooting. And and by the way, not that far away from where the last one was in Cleveland, Texas, this one now in Allen, Texas. What are your some of your takeaways?
1: Yeah, I you know, the the, the quick breakdown of faith that you just did and I'm glad that you did it. Reminds me of that old joke about the person who, you know, there's a flood coming and there's all these different forms of support this person could be getting. And he turns it all down and he dies and then He goes up to heaven and asks, asks God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, I sent you a boat. I sent you people. I sent you everything, right? Like, what's, you know, anyway. So, I mean, the first thing is that my, one of the biggest takeaways is here is a person, an expert in the field, trained in weapons, former CIA, former FBI. Her bona fides are impeccable. You can't argue them. Who agrees with the idea, willing to entertain the thought. That could we explore the idea of classifying weapons for different for different levels of citizenry in this country because we recognize the fact that we do that with vehicles. You know, we can explore this with weapons, and I was glad that she shed light on that. Um, You know, it's well documented on the show where I stand on this. You know, obviously, I'm I'm a firm believer in assault rifle ban in this country, and we've had it once before, but. In the moment now, we have to always come back to this. Now, yes, if this person had a nine millimeter, could he have done the same thing? Probably, but not harm as many people, right? Um, There has to be the conversation that the Second Amendment should be protected like the others. But we need to be serious about what is the conversation we're having? Are we just saying outright that you can also have access to, you know, nuclear grade plutonium because, you know, the Second Amendment says you can defend yourself? Like, it's it's nonsensical. And when you have elected representatives that say, well, prayer is the answer, like it's laughable. Like it's just your gun money showing from your face, right? Like, it's literally coming out of your pockets when you say something that asinine. So it's, yeah, I appreciate her expertise. I appreciate just the clarity of breaking down what's going on. Um, you know, what she brought up about the FBI is, is important when it comes from a data standpoint that the information that's shared with them, it's not a given. Um, and that's very crucial because when we don't have police precincts reporting, when we don't have national data, it's hard to have the conversation as a nation, what we should be doing about these types of acts of violence. And that's not by accident. There's a larger conversation here about what local police pro- precincts think they're privy to that they want to keep from the FBI, but you certainly want the FBI's help when your computers go down. Right. Like that seems to be how it works. Um, I was just grateful, grateful for her thoughts and grateful for um, just the insight she was able to to offer to, you know, once again, just a a frustrating situation. All right. And in our final segment, can
2: I talk
3: Nick five minutes on the clock? Each of us issues that have been playing out over the last week, outside of this horrific shooting that happened in Allen, Texas, Texas, Two topics on each of ours mind. I'm going to let my co-host Nick Saveri go first. Go ahead, Nick. Take it away.
1: Yeah. You know, can I please talk about Jordan Neely for a minute? Folks, there's a lot of places to go when we think about a person with mental illness who is who's murdered um, on a subway or regardless of wherever. Um, You know, I've had friends of mine, you know, those who work in the city, in New York, um, you know, bring this up through group text. like, well, what should we do? Um, you, know, do we just let someone like this, someone like this, right. Continue to continue to harm and harass others. And there were so many things swirling in my head. And I think the reason it really hit home for me is the fact that, you know, I, I work for a company based out of New York, you know, prior to the pandemic, I, for about 13 years, rode the subways. Um, folks like Jordan Neely, are people that I've I've come to see on a regular basis, um, and you know, it's a fancier word than needed be here, but typically protocol or typically what we strap handlers or whatever the word used to be when you ride the subway is, is that when someone is 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 that way, clearly they need space. Clearly, it's it's safest to keep distance. To engage with someone, to put your hands on someone, just seems like an extreme circumstance, although. You know something that I sat with is, and I don't know how this came to me, but if I were to take this exact same scenario and apply this to an airplane, well, then I think our our general attitude about the way someone handled this, you know, basically choking someone out, maybe not necessarily leading to death, probably would have been appropriate. So I don't know, is it because this person has, you know, a a emotional is emotionally distressed? Is like is that the reason we should rethink? violence as a, re, as a re, recourse here, is it because the person, their, their housing situation, which on a side note about that, I don't know why we continue to bring up the fact that Jordan Neely was homeless. What we know about this person is that this person was mentally disturbed. This person had over 40 arrests, which also tells you that this is a societal failure. How many times does a person get brought in front of a jury or rather in front of a judge or however the process works, and someone isn't looking at a rap sheet and saying, this isn't working. So what are we doing? What, in, what happens when someone continues to get rinse repeated through the system? Is what happened recently in the death of Jordan Neely, essentially standard operating procedure in a society that may not really care about its people? And that's a larger conversation about America. Let me stop here for a minute. We're not a country, folks. We're 50 states. Every city has its own laws. You're governed by a constitution and you have a military and, and shared currency. That's, I'm just going to be very honest with you. It turns the way our government's structured. So, in, in New York City, what is, what is the plan? We've heard what Mayor Eric Adams has, has said. Um, you know, we've heard, heard the word vigilante used to describe this, this, uh, this Marine. It's, it's nonsensical. And, and the word that come back, comes back to me constantly is failure. But at the same time, I also don't want to see folks, and I have seen a lot of folks on social media that are really speaking out of turn in the sense of, folks, let this be a New York thing. Let us who've been on the subways converse about this if you're going to sit here like representative ayana presley and tell me what should be done this person's humanity which i agree with this person is obviously their humanity should be respected but so should the people on the subway that may feel potentially threatened i need to see folks who are subway riders have this conversation and like me probably would recognize you gave this person space what you don't do is put your hands around their throat unless this is someone who has assaulted someone which sadly you know that has been the case of jordan neely's story and And in the end, this is just a failure on so many ends. Um, I think in that particular moment, obviously, no one knows how many arrests this gentleman has. But what we heard was that this was simply a person who was yelling uncontrollably on a subway. That this person's, the result of that is this person's death just feels completely atypical for the way that true people who work in New York would have dealt with it, which is to give this person space and respect that this person needs help. Um, and those are the folks I'd prefer to hear from right now. So much on that Jordan Neely stuff, man. But I'm, I'm with you. As a
3: former subway rider, it's real simple. You, you hear that kind of stuff going on on the train. You need to get off at your stop, move to another car. Some people just ask for money. You can choose whether or not to give them money. You don't really need to choke them out. Um, and nobody that's a New York City subway rider would feel threatened in that situation. All right. Five minutes for me on the clock here. And let me get into a topic that we've covered a bunch on this program, which is the US Southern border. We've covered it from reporters that have been there covering it on the ground, talking to officials, not only on the US side, but on the Mexico side, people that have interviewed migrants, undocumented folks that are coming into this country, just trying to make a better life for themselves and the passages and what it takes to do all of this. And A lot of the criticism has come from either side of the aisle, whenever the other side of the aisle is in power. Case in point, I want to talk about something that is very near and dear to me. I've mentioned it a bunch on this show, hypocrisy. If you don't recognize hypocrisy on both sides, sometimes when it comes to certain issues, you are just as bad as the person committing the hypocritical act, let's call it. Uh, And take no further example than the grand champion of flip-flopping in Senator Lindsey Graham. I was on an MSNBC panel and I was asked, who is the worst between Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Ted Cruz? And I went with Ted Cruz, but you could easily argue that Lindsey Graham is one of the worst. And take no better example than a politician, somebody that has been duly elected in this country by people of his district that say, yes, this person represents my ideology, this person represents the values I want up there in Congress. Take no better example of how to flip-flop within 20 seconds, within 20 seconds of an answer, than what Lindsey Graham recently said in a press conference in response to the Biden administration sending troops to the U.S. southern border upcoming. Take a listen to this.
0: are you on... The administration sending troops to the border. We heard from Senator
2: I think it's ridiculous theater. It will not change the outcome.
0: Did you feel the same about it being theater when um, Trump sent troops to the border in 2018?
2: I feel that Donald Trump did the best job in my political lifetime. When Donald Trump did something, it worked. Folks,
3: the Biden administration next week is sending 1,500 active duty troops to the U.S. Mexico border ahead of the expected migrant surge. Okay, In 2018, Donald Trump sent 5,000 active duty military troops to the southern border, the Defense Department said at that time, 5,000 to 1,500. Within 20 seconds of two similar acts being committed by a Republican president and a Democratic president, this senator flip-flopped on his position. Within 20 seconds of the same question, being asked. When we were talking in an earlier segment with Tracy about politicians right, and the flip-flopping nature of certain things, who knew that somebody would really commit this in real time? I'm at a, almost at a loss for words because the only example I could think of, a shout out to my co-host who told me this, uh, is the Dave Chappelle show with, with Rick James saying that I messed up their couch. No, I never messed up their couch all within a second. That guy was drug-induced at the time when he was telling that story. Senator Lindsey Graham, I want to get back to policy. I want to get back to seriousness. You, sir, are not serious. You literally are flip-flopping on a question when both administrations are taking the same exact position and trying to stem the tide of migrants that are making the surge to the southern border. You want to protect the southern border, right? You want the people to come in the right way. So here's the government, the way it was run under the person that you wanted, doing an action with way more troops and emphasis. And here is another administration doing the exact same thing to a lesser scale in terms of the amount of troops to to stem the tide of uh, migrants that are coming and the wave that's expected. And you say it's ridiculous political theater. Well, Lindsey Graham, nobody knows ridiculous political theater better than you. We leave it there. Uh, Thank you to Tracy Walder for coming on the program. Like I mentioned, you can go check out Tracy's book now, wherever books are sold, The Unexpected Spy. Uh, Check her out on News Nation as a contributor there, former CIA officer and FBI special agent. I can't thank her enough for coming on the program. You can check out the video portion of that interview over on our YouTube channel. Type in Can We Please Talk podcast. We should come right up. Audio podcast platforms, you know them by now. But shout out to everybody who listens to us across everything: Apple, Spotify, Google, Good Pods, uh, Castbox. There's too many to name out there in terms of platforms. But we appreciate you listening on whichever one you listen to. Speaking of which, shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. Can't populate those feeds without Acast, and we can't do it without each and every one of you that listens into this program. As
1: always, I'm Mike Leon. God damn, I love this show. You are awesome. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Thank you to all of you who listen. I'm Nick Sperry. Hey, let me simonize my halo.
3: Appreciate that. We'll see everybody next time.